My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As our regular listeners will by now know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And as we record this particular podcast on the 14th of September 2022, we acknowledge the passing of one of our most beloved and cherished leaders in the form of Her Majesty the Queen who passed away last week. Um, She served this country with the utmost uh, devotion and steadfastness throughout the entirety of her days and we also wish her all of the best to um, her successor King Charles III who now ascends the throne. Um, Joining me on today's programme actually is Hannah Strawbridge, the CEO and founder of Han Law, a legal 500 listed employment lawyer that provides commercial, strategic and pragmatic employment law advice to individuals and businesses, both employers and employees. Um, Hannah, a very warm welcome to you today and by all means thank you for joining us on the program it's a real pleasure having you hi scott thanks for the warm introduction and looking forward to this today yeah, also looking forward to the uh, the discussion as well. And uh, at a time, of course, where, you know, we acknowledge the passing of an incredible woman leader in the uh, the shape of the Queen. And we've also now got a new prime minister, a woman prime minister um, in charge of the uh, the UK government. Um, one of the overarching themes that we're going to be talking about today, of course, is um, the place of the uh, the woman in the uh, the corporate world and especially in your sector, the uh, the legal um, industry, Hannah. But before we kind of drift into that side of the, uh, the discussion, um, just talking about about your business. Um, I was hoping to get a little bit more of a background on sort of how you came to set up the uh, the practice, just for those that might not necessarily be familiar with you that are tuning into this today. Yeah, sure. So um, my background is in, as an employment lawyer. I've been a solicitor for my whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, and three years ago, I decided to um, go it alone, as it were, and set up my own business as the sole founder of Hand Law. Um, and that that was for a number of reasons, um, some kind of personal reasons in terms of wanting to work more flexibly and more on my my own terms, but also probably more importantly to offer clients something a little bit different in 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 terms of the business model that we run. So something which would hopefully shake up the legal industry a little bit and offer something a little more modern um, and kind of more forward thinking than perhaps what some of the you know other other law firms historically have offered yeah for certain and um obviously for you sort of setting up the uh, the business from what sounds like a bit of a standing start really um what were some of the initial challenges that you found in getting the uh, the practice up and running because i suppose going it alone um obviously you've got to do your research and you're going to find one or two hurdles coming quite early on aren't you yeah, I mean, you know, to, to be completely honest, I've never set up a business before. And when you're trained as a lawyer and you work as a lawyer, you know, mm. it tends to be quite a technical role, as you imagine. And also within the legal industry, it, it can be, you know, kind of you, you can be not encouraged to be creative or, or be business minded. It's not something we as lawyers um, are generally taught or encouraged to do. So I think more than anything, you know, you're natural, as a lawyer, you tend to be naturally kind of risk averse. So that flies in the face of setting up your own business with no investment and no clients, um, you know, and just resigning from a job with, with nothing set up, ready to go, and um, with two kids to um, feed as well. So, um, yeah, I think just in terms of personality and things like that, it was, it was quite a leap of faith, as you can imagine. But 
um, I guess I am a little bit different or from, from that kind of risk of a lawyerish personality. And I just thought, I really would tell to myself, it's now or never, um, why not give it a go? And I, I kind of went into it thinking, you know, what's the worst that can happen is that I have to go and get another job, um, which, you know, I can do because I've got experience in what I do. Um, so I just thought, you know, let's give it a go. And I think I just had that mentality really for the first year, to be honest with you. Yes, definitely. And um, I can imagine that there were one or two challenges as well about setting up a practice in the uh, the legal industry as as a woman as well, because um, albeit we are seeing more women lawyers actually coming through, um, it is a traditionally sort of more male dominated industry, isn't it? So what are your sort of thoughts on how it was kind of dealing with that when you were starting out? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, you're right. So um, I think in terms of statistics, there are more women lawyers than men. But the, 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 the point is that there are less women lawyers at the senior level than men, which mm. obviously doesn't make sense. If you're looking at, you know, more, more female lawyers, then what's happening as to why they're not getting promoted or, you know, and, and very, very quickly you have to question why that is. Because, you know, it, it makes you wonder, you know, what's happening? You know, is it because women are having families and because of that, they're dropping out of the system, you know, at the point where, you know, they might be working very long hours, etc. So to be honest with you, I mean, I, I have all those challenges trying to sort of combine a young family and, and not, not just about having children, really, but just genuinely wanting a life outside of work, you know, and trying to balance the two. It was quite challenging as a lawyer because, you know, it tends to be kind of very much nine to five in the office mm. and, you know, wear a suit. And, you know, I think, I mean, even within the law, things have changed a lot since. So for me, setting up my business, one of the key drivers was to be able to work more smartly. So, you know, sometimes I work harder than, than how I did, but it isn't just about, you know, getting those rechargeable hours on the system anymore. It's about working in a, in a slightly more clever way, in a smarter way which I feel, you know, is more lucrative for me, but also it gives me more flexibility around my children. I mean, mm. the downside of running your own business is, you know, the stress and the, and the responsibility of it, especially when you start growing the team um, and obviously having people underneath you and, you know, worrying about anything going wrong for the clients, you know, it all comes back to you. But for me, so far, it's been worth it. Um, just to have that kind of time freedom that I feel I have a lot more now. And that, for me, means I don't feel like I'm missing out on my children. And and also they're at the age where, although they're getting older and more self-sufficient, it, it, in some ways it's harder because they do that many hobbies outside of school, as I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, that mm. you know I need to be ferrying them around all the time, which you can't really do if you, if you have a childminder, you know, or... Um, you know, you can't really keep them in nursery. It's slightly different. You, know, you have to be um, in the car with them, taking them to places. So, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that I can get to do that now as well as doing something purposeful that I really enjoy at work as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we're certainly going to be talking a little bit more about sort of that kind of work life and well-being side of things a little bit later on in the uh, the discussion. Um, but just going back to kind of what you said about the uh, the flexibility side of things and the way that you kind of built your practice on that, in order to therefore make the legal industry work better for women, do you think that perhaps 
flexibility for staff? Uh, is that going to be a very key element that legal practices really need to take into consideration because women need that flexibility if they're thinking about starting families? And maybe that will then yeah, sort I of... Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. men too, you know, this is about, you know, and, and, and not just parents. So we're really talking about kind of a different cultural shift that I think needs to happen, you know, where, you know, equally, if you make a decision, absolutely fair enough that you don't want to have children... Those people should also receive the same, you know, benefits around flexible working to do what they want with their spare time, you know, um, because it's a decision for um, whether or not you actually want that family. Um, and I just think culturally, you know, especially within the law, it's not really been about that. But from what I've seen, when people are enjoying their lives generally, you know, it has a massively positive impact on the work that they're doing, and they're going to be happier and. You know, at the end of the day, you're at work, you're doing a lot of hours in work in your life. You know, life's too short to, you know, not be enjoying it and, you know, feel worn out and burnt out by working too many hours or Mm. because you have to sit at a desk in an office when actually you could be at home doing that work in in a bit more of a comfortable environment. So I think, I mean, with all that, you know, the pandemic has had, for me, quite a positive effect on Mm. the legal industry. We were all working remotely anyway at Handle before COVID. So that was good for us in the sense that we haven't needed to adjust very much. You know, I've got clients across Europe and some of them we still haven't met. But obviously, you know, with Zoom and Teams calls on video, that's massively helped. And it it meant that as a boutique firm, in the north of England, you know, we've had a massive reach um, in terms of the types of clients that we can work with and the types of consultants that, you know, work for us as well. They're also spread out around the UK. Yeah, and that's incredibly innovative, isn't it, for um, a boutique firm like yourselves? And um, also, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, the pandemic certainly has had an impact um, in the sense that, you know, working remotely has opened up a whole new range of possibilities. But um, it's offered the flexibility, hasn't it? And we have become so much more aware during the uh, the lockdowns about sort of the work-life balance, taking that time out for ourselves. Um, and that is obviously going to raise awareness of sort of work-life balance in the, the entire work context isn't it so you know when women are thinking of taking time out to obviously go and have families and things and they want that flexibility I suppose there is going to be more of an, of an opportunity for employers to to really offer that. Yeah exactly so and if you, if you can imagine so for example in my previous role you know it was nine to five and um, you know then you, you worked and then you went home and thought that people did what you wanted to do and you, know, you have to squeeze your work into that time and equally you're missing out on the other side. Whereas now, you know, I've got, we've got a team of six lawyers at the moment and in addition to back office and some operational um, staff and they're all self-employed consultants. So, I mean, not only do they uh, make more money than they would do, you know, working those hours um, in a firm on a salary, but they have ultimate flexibility, you know, if they don't, if, if mm. there's a job offered to them and they don't, it's not their cup of tea or they're up to capacity or they just don't feel like it, frankly, you know, they can say no or yes. Um, and it, it really seems to work. And I think particularly with a lot of those individuals as well, you know, we have our own routines. We don't have a nine to five, but the clients never miss out. They probably gain because, you know, we can be more flexible to them as well. So for me, you know, my normal day would be, possibly sorting, possibly getting up early and doing a bit of work if I naturally wake up early, then sorting the children out to get them off 
um, and then potentially, you know, going to the gym, sort of getting it out of the way in the morning, work, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, if the client needs an eating person, we'll have that. But, you know, I just start my day later or work in a different way. And I might break off again around three o'clock for a couple of hours, but then pick up again in the evening. Um, so I wouldn't say work any less. Clients don't miss out, but it just allows me to do things that, you know, for me in a nine to five office environment, I wouldn't have done. So, for example, with a young family and working, I just wouldn't have fitted in exercise for that day because by the time I've, you know, worked all day and thought of the children in its winter, I just wouldn't be the sort of person to motivate to go out and do something at seven or eight at night. Whereas yeah. now I know I know myself, so I know that, you know, I try and do that earlier on in the day and I'm quite happy to work later. It's just, you know, it's things like that where you know, those are the sort of things that I think if law firms can offer that, then they will get more from their employees, you know. Um, but yeah, so far so good really in terms of how we seem to be working. Yeah, it's getting the balancing act right, isn't it? Because I suppose the risk with obviously blurring um, sort of work life and home life by having that sort of flexible working arrangement in place. I mean, if you are overburdening yourself when you are supposed to be taking that downtime, that can become a little bit yeah. of a problem, can't it? But um, as soon as you kind of have that work life balance in place and you know that as and when you need to, you can work, but you can also take that step back from things. That's really important, isn't it? It's knowing when to be able to uh, to be able to do that. Exactly, and I do, you know, I've got colleagues, don't get me wrong, I have got colleagues across HR and employment and legal where, you know, they, they used to work in long hours and it's a bit of a shift if they become self-employed and I know, you know, there are some people that are earning more money than they used to as an employee, but they're also working more hours, albeit from home, because, you know, it's kind of, if someone offers a job, then kind of you know you can get into a spiral thinking yeah why not why not just taking everything on and it's great money but you know that they, they feel like they're ended they're working actually more than they did before whereas i'm really trying really hard um and i guess within the role of ceo the fact is i've got at the moment within my business you know i'm running it but i'm also finance director i'm also sales and marketing director I, you know, I've got to a point where I am still doing some legal work, keep my hand in because I enjoy it. But realistically, it's quite difficult to do all those things and do the legal technical work and be a single mother. So I, you know, my conclusion over this summer where it's been quite a juggling act with yeah. school holidays is, you know, actually I'm really enjoying running the business, growing the business. I will still do some legal work, but I'm going to do a lot less. And, you know, I've got a great team now of experience um employment lawyers who you know who can just get on with it and that's what they want to be doing so yeah I mean I feel like things are changing a bit for me personally and um I think that's the natural way to do it really as a as a business owner you can't yeah. you can't do the work yourself because it won't you won't be able to grow the business and you'll burn yourself out because it's trying to do too many things at once Exactly right. And uh, that is the natural progression, isn't it, as you say, but it can be one of the hardest things to do, can't it? I've spoken to a lot of sort of young business owners and uh, they tend to find in the early days that when the business is growing to the point where they do have to start delegating the day to day work to others, that's one of the things they find harder to do. Just take a step back from that and then move on to the more strategic stuff. So um, I suppose to any young entrepreneur tuning into this, I mean, uh, the piece of advice that you give to them is probably just to, to, to go for it isn't it and just be willing to take the step back and just trust those that you're working with 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for me on that, again, I've been lucky, or whether you call it luck, I don't know. So, you know, I, I mean, LinkedIn's been great for me, and I've done some other podcasts about personal branding, because especially for lawyers, that, again, is something we weren't really encouraged to do. And, mm. you know, traditionally, it was go and play golf and, and chat your clients up that way and, you know, try and build business and build your network. Whereas now, and I think, again, because of the pandemic, you know, social media has really pushed forward with the industry. You know, LinkedIn for me has been phenomenal in terms of networking. Um, you know, I rarely go to sort of local networking groups now because the reach on LinkedIn is so much bigger. You know, if there's someone that I think is aligned to my values, um, whatever they're doing, you know, I will link in with them. We'll set up a Zoom, sometimes we meet up and, you know, just take the relationship from there. And it's also given me lots of new clients, but perhaps even more importantly, you know, most of the people I work with are either people that I've worked with before in, in other businesses or mm. firms or people that I've met through LinkedIn. Um, so, you know, I've just found recruitment-wise, it, it's phenomenal as well. You know, to date, I've not, I've not used any recruiters. It's been um, people that I know. So that's a massive help, obviously, when you know, well, they're good at the job and you can trust them and, and you know that they're aligned with your values as well. Um, but like I say, you know, we've got um, an HR consultant within Hanlaw, Jackie, and, yeah. you know, uh, from memory, I think we just got chatting through LinkedIn, you know, HR employment law, and, you know, and, and here we are, she's one of the consultants. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's re- really made a massive impact, actually, in terms of social media and, and the global reach of it. It certainly does, doesn't it? And I think as well, I mean, there's a, there's been a real value of networking um, that we that we have, have sort of learnt as well over the uh, the last couple of years because you, you're going to other people who have maybe been in the same boat as you have either because of the pandemic or because they're running a business similar to yours. And you can learn from them, can't you? I mean, in, in a leadership role, I mean, we're never, ever a finished article. We're not infallible. We are going to make mistakes. And going out there and speaking to people who've been there and done it, know the industry, or maybe in your position. I mean, you can learn a lot from each other. There's a whole load of value to be taken from the networking side of things. Definitely. And I think that's another thing that's changing within the legal industry or within certain sections of the legal industry now and where sort of businesses like us, I think, are really giving some of the big firms a run for their money because we uh, tend to be much more about collaboration because we're starting off small maybe have limited resources, you know, limited cash, um, don't have the systems in place initially, you know, don't have the, the large teams. There's so much collaboration that goes on um, b- between different lawyers that have become self-employed or have their own legal businesses. And, and you know, it really feels that there's kind of a community there of, of those sorts of people wanting to encourage and help each other out. It's not really about competition. Um, I guess it, it feels all competition of, you know, these rebellious small businesses that are, you know, trying to get some of these um, big clients on board versus potentially big law, if there is such a thing, only because it feels like we've got slightly more aligned values and a bit more of a modern way of looking at things um, and kind of is more relatable as well. Yeah, certainly. And for women that are looking to make it in the industry, and I know we've touched on this already, but... We're at a period of time where we're paying tribute to an incredible woman leader who has um, obviously served the UK with an immense amount of devotion throughout her years in the shape of Her Majesty. And um, shortly, obviously, before she did pass away, I mean, we did have a newly appointed 
woman prime minister in the form of Liz Truss as well. And albeit, obviously, she might not go and implement policies that are going to get women more roles in a certain industry. But we can sort of channel the, the, the message from that, the inspiration that these women can clearly provide. And that can filter down, can't it, and inspire that next generation of women to really come through and really change their uh, their industry for the better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, female role models are so important, and I think the Queen, you know, was the most, and will continue to be, um, the most iconic, you know, feminist leader. Um, you know, for for so many reasons, just in terms of how she led, and, and obviously being a woman now, but also, you know, you know, years ago as well, some of the things she did, which were not what you know was expected of women, but she broke broke down a lot of boundaries, and perhaps. You know, there isn't a massive amount of talk about her, you know, in that way, but she really did. And I, I really think this had a massive impact on women and, and being inspirational, and certainly on me anyway. Um, and then, saying, you know, a new, a new prime minister that's, that's female, you know, leading the country. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that goes. And um, today, obviously, there's been a lot of talk before she's even began about um, some of the policies she's bringing in and debate around that, not to get into politics now. Um, yeah. But, you know, but as a female leader, yeah, it will definitely have a positive impact, I hope. Um, and I think that's needed. Um, so I did a lot of research um, throughout um, COVID mm. because um, about women sort of in leadership roles within business life or generally. And um, it was quite interesting because um, what I found is I was getting a lot of calls from individuals who are clients of mine anyway you know, who were looking to bring discrimination claims in the employment tribunal because of how they've been treated, you know, during COVID or, or how they were losing out um, on their position in the workplace as a result of COVID. Mm. And I did a lot of research around this and you know, there's evidence that clearly shows that, you know, women's rights um, as a result of the pandemic in, in the workplace have been denigrated massively as a result. So, it, 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 you know, it's a fact that women in leadership positions, those numbers have been induced as a result of COVID. And we're not quite sure the reasons exactly why that was, but, you know, we've got some ideas. So, for example, schools being shut. Um, and at some point, you know, schools were shut, but businesses were still open. And, you know, not for everyone, but the, in, in a lot of cases, there were disproportionately more women that were either giving up their jobs because they knew they had to be at home with the children, homeschooling, um, and so losing out on that. Or there were women saying to their, their, their managers, look, can I, can I reduce my hours um, so I can do this as well? So that had a big impact. Mm. Um, you know, and there was debate at the time in terms of whether the, the government was thinking and balancing all of that side of things along with, you know, the risks and, and what was happening. Um, so that was one of the reasons. Um, and then... You know, like I said, I've done a lot of speaking and sort of research on it all. And I think now it's really important that we, you know, try and bring things up to where it was pre-pandemic. And I think the fact that we can work from home now and more and more females are setting up their own businesses and taking that route, I think that will have a positive impact as well. 
Yeah, let's certainly hope so. Moving into the uh, into the future, because um, we're in a bit of an uncertain time as well with inflationary pressure. So we certainly need business yeah. coming through and business succeeding. And obviously, um, in the uh, the next twelve months, uh, just before we wrap up on the program, Hannah, because I'm conscious that we're running short of time now. Um, for your business personally, what milestones do you sort of want to see um, yourselves uh, surpassing? And uh, in terms of the general scope of uh, women in the legal industry, what do you what progress are you sort of hoping to see there? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, an example, one, one of the consultants that I've recently brought on board from, um, I mean, I've, I've got a number, and, and a lot of them I've worked within the big law before, you know, big law funds, including myself. Mm. And I know one in particular has said, you know, she wanted to do something different because there were no women partners in the firm that were inspiring to her. So I think that says a lot, really. And, um, you know, for her, as someone with a young family, she's see only males in the most senior roles and thought well there must be reasons for that um and you know what what is that reason is it because you can't do both in this kind of um industry in this kind of business so you know she's taken that decision to move out and look for look for something more flexible where she's not going to have a lesser career i think that's the thing i think years ago people sort of looked down their noses on um, solicitors that were consultants almost as if to say, or oh, you they've been sacked in a previous job and that's why mm. they're self-employed, um, which was never the case. I think it was a lot to do with the industry, you know, wanting to make sure that everyone is an employee, really. Um, but now, you know, it's not the case. It, it, it's the most entrepreneurial kind of lawyers that are taking that risk. And I think it's been a bit exciting times for the industry as a whole, to be honest with you. Yeah, it is, certainly is going to be exciting. And obviously you talk about sort of um, with um, your colleague there, the lack of uh, sort of women leaders that maybe were inspiring to her. And uh, just as a last point, um, are there any women that you've encountered throughout your career or just sort of uh, you've sort of absorbed some of their content that have maybe inspired you and sort of helped chart your course, do you think? I think, I mean, there are so many out there. I think, um, I mean, yeah, that there are females that I work with now who are running their own firms that have sort of said, come on, you can do this sort of thing. But I think within our industry, it has been lacking. But they've been there, but they've often not wanted to sort of shout out about it. Whereas mm. now, I think people are becoming more confident. And like I say, lawyers historically wouldn't do a post on LinkedIn about them being enjoying themselves in a pub or something like that. The things are changing. I think they've always been scared of the regulatory side of it and almost having to just have the suit on and be very formal and, you know, not show the human side. But I think because yeah. that's changing, you're going to see more role models. And, um, you know, and there's absolutely no reason why we can't do that. I think across other industries, you know, we see a lot more of that, don't we? So, mm. I don't know, for example, in, you know, branding agencies or in marketing spheres or, in, in lots of other industries, to be honest, you know, women are, I think, less less afraid to kind of say, this is who I am and this is what I do. Um, this, I think there's been a sense of fear, really, in the legal industry. We can't say that you might put off a client. And, and actually, the, the reverse is the case. I think we've always been, as an industry, too um, distant and scary to a, a lot of our clients mm. and actually not built that warm relationship which you need to be able to advise you know on that level I think there's always been a let's be really formal and let's show them how clever we are and you know things like that and actually it's more about that human touch um that I think that's what best way to deal with business 
It is, yeah, certainly in the world of scary legal jargon as well. I think that is absolutely right. Um, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think that human touch is most definitely needed. And I think as, as women, I mean, women are in a, sp- a position to really, really provide that. So it is exciting times for, for women in the industry, for sure. And it's good to see the proliferation of them building. And now it's just a case of making that next step and bringing them into those more senior roles, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um and I think, you know, it's around confidence as well, I think, a lot of the time. And like, like I say, I think things are changing. And the more women you see, you know, in leadership positions, running the country, you know, ahead of the country um, and setting up their own businesses, that can only have a positive impact as well. Yeah, exactly right. And let's um, see how that positive impact really starts to uh, to take form over the uh, the next few months and indeed years, hopefully. Um, Hannah, I have to say it's been an immense pleasure having you joining us on the show and it's been great to, uh, to talk to you all about this. And I actually, you know, would relish the opportunity to welcome you back onto the show in the future just to see sort of how women in the sector are beginning to progress because it's a constant state of flux that it's in, isn't it, at the moment? So it'd be good to keep tabs on that. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's been absolutely fantastic. And if you are a woman working in within the legal sector or you uh, run your own business and you have something to say about the issues that we've discussed today, then you can leave a comment via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us to talk about what you think of what we've discussed today. Or if you want to come onto the programme to share your own story relevant to your business or relevant to anything that we've covered today, you can do so via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and come and share that with us live on the programme. Um, today, um, we've been joined by Hanlaw founder, Hannah Strawbridge, it's been an immense pleasure having you, Hannah, and uh, do take care and do stay safe with uh, all that's still going on in the world as well. Thank you, too, Scott. And to all of the listeners, you've been tuning into the Leaders Council podcast today, and I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, please do take care and goodbye. <laughs>